You are listening to the new Mutual Audio Network. Welcome home. The following audio drama is rated R and is recommended restricted for anyone under the age of 17. Jack, I remember we were supposed to meet in the garden shed, the most haunted place in the Mutual Audio Network grounds. It's Land of the Shadows, a double feature this week with No Soap Radio and The Shadow, as well as Badlands Cola. And I can't keep up this exposition. Oh, oh, oh finally the latch gave up the ghost. Oh. Hi, Jack. Um, sorry, there wasn't even room to knock in there. David, what what are you doing in that garden chest? Oh, I'm following your script, of course. Right, right. I forgot. We needed a dramatic reveal of where you've been, and after hanging around for two episodes, I, I just couldn't come up with anything else. Well, at least we can come up with our double features, beginning with No Soap Radio's The Shadow, and it all begins right here on the Sonic Society. No Soap Radio presents a recreation of the Shadow Radio Program, The Silent Avenger, first broadcast on March 18, 1938. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. (laughs) Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The Shadow knows... (laughs) Again, Blue Coal Dealers presents radio's strangest adventure, The Shadow. Mystery man who strikes terror into the very hearts of sharpsters, lawbreakers, and criminals. Today, Blue Coal brings you The Shadow's latest adventure, The Silent Avenger. The Shadow's exciting adventure begins in just a moment, but first I'd like to remind you homeowners that right now, when winter is changing into spring, is the most treacherous time of all the year. But you can protect your family's health and save valuable dollars by burning blue coal. It's Pennsylvania's finest anthracite. Order a trial ton from your nearest blue coal dealer tomorrow. And if you want to read the adventures of The Shadow in complete novel form, in addition to numerous detective stories, crime problems, and features, simply write us for your copy of The Shadow magazine absolutely free. Remember, all you have to do is mail a penny postcard to Blue Coal, 120 Broadway, New York City, or to Blue Coal in care of this station. Send for your free copy of The Shadow magazine tonight. Joseph Brecker, you have been duly tried by a jury and found guilty of murder in the first degree. You now appear in this court. That sentence may be passed upon you. But before I pronounce sentence, have you anything to say? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Before you pass sentence on me, 
I'm going to pass sentence on you. You, Judge Wilson, and Sloan, the prosecuting attorney, and those 12 good and true saps on the jury. Order, order in the court. And one more, maybe. The guy who really trapped me in the first place. The only guy smart enough to get me. The shadow. Order, order in the court. I will do, Joseph Brecker. You have nothing to say on your own behalf? This is on my own behalf, and you better listen, all of you. I know I'm on my way to the death house, to the chair, but I'm warning you. For every day I sit in the death house, one of you will be killed, starting with the foreman of the jury. And if the governor doesn't commute my sentence to life, he'll die the day I burn. Order! Order in the court! Joseph Brecker, by the power vested in me by the people of this state, I hereby order you to be taken to the state penitentiary, there to be delivered over to the warden, by whom on a certain day determined by this court, he shall, in a manner prescribed by law, put you to death. And may God have mercy on your soul. Court is adjourned. All right, come on, clear the court. Outside, outside. Well, it's a sheer bluff, I tell you. How can Brecker kill a whole jury, the DA, Judge Wilson, even the governor? I tell you, he's crazy. Still, I'm glad I wasn't on that jury. You bet. All his gang were wiped out. Brecker's gang are all dead or in jail. I know, but you can't really be sure that he... I know, but nobody's ever seen the shadow. He could appear right in this courtroom and not be seen. I'd hate to have anybody like that. There, Margot. Let's get out of here. It must be very flattering to inspire such awe and fear, Lamont. It has its disadvantages, Margot. Unfortunately, the mystery surrounding the shadow inspires fear and terror in the innocent, as well as the guilty. The unknown is so often associated with evil. There's no help for it. The shadow must remain. A shadow. Lamont, what do you think of Brecker's threat? Do you think it's just bluff? I wish I did, Margot. Meaning? Meaning. Lamont Cranston is going to don the shadow's cloak and call on Joe Brecker in prison. Your brother to see you, Brecker. Okay. Hello, Danny. Hello, Joe. You got five minutes. Better make the most of it. Deputies are here from the state pen to take you bye-bye to the big house. I'll be back. All right, come on in, Danny. Sit on the bunk. I want to talk to you. It ain't much time. Hey, it's like a cage where they keep animals, huh, Joe? Lay off that, Danny. Okay, don't get sore. Sit down here and listen to what I got to say. Are they going to kill you, Joe? Yeah, but they're going to pay for it, every last one of them. You know who they are, don't you? I told you over and over again. Yeah, Joe, you told me. And you know what you're to do. You remember everything I told you, don't you, Danny? Yeah. Yeah, Joe, I remember. I won't forget. When the newspapers say they put you in the death house, I kill one of them. That's right, Danny. And don't forget, these people I told you about, the judge, the jury, the prosecuting attorney, are the same ones who drafted you in the army, sent you over to France, let you get shell shot, so it's hard for you to remember things. Sure, I won't forget. Hey, 
Will it hurt much when they kill you, Joe? Stop that, will you? Okay, okay, I just want to know. You just keep your mind on the jury and Judge Wilson. Maybe even the governor. You'll get him, eh, Danny? Yeah, yeah. They won't know what hit him. <laughs> That's the stuff, Danny. Now, just one more thing. There's a guy that may come after you. He's smarter than the cops. He's the one who really got me. You gotta keep away from him. Don't give him a chance to find you. How can I do that? You gotta keep away from home. Don't go near the flat or the old lady. But Ma, I'll worry if I don't come no, home. No, she won't, Danny. She knows you got things to do. All right, Joe. What about the fella I can't see? Is he dead? Like all my buddies in the war? The ones that talk to me in the dark? No, no, Danny. This guy's different. He ain't dead. He's alive. You can hear his voice. You can't see him. But if you ever hear his voice, you'll know he's near you. Somewhere in the shadows. Yeah. If he talks to me, I'll fix him, Joe. Sure. But not the way you get the others, Danny. Because you can't see him, see? Now look. You know those old hand grenades you have at home? Yeah. Well, I want you to carry a couple with you. If this guy ever finds you, if he tries to stop you paying him off for killing me, you just pull the pin on the hand grenade and throw it where you think his voice is coming from. That'll get him. All right, Joe. But how will I know when it's him? You'll know all right. He has a queer kind of laugh. And he calls himself the Shadow. All right, Brecker. Time's up. Come on, you. Okay, okay. So long, Danny. Don't you forget anything. So long, Joe. I wouldn't forget. I wouldn't forget nothing you told me. Come on, you're out this way. Shake it up. <laughs> that poor dope. You'll do it all right. He'll fix every last one of them if I burn. Who's that? I heard somebody, but there's nobody there. Hey, God! Are you surprised to find me here, Joe Brecker? Shadow! <laughs> so you weren't expecting me. And yet prisons are filled with shadows. Shadows in the minds of men walking in the shadow of death itself. What do you want? You put me in here, sent me to the chair. Why can't you let me alone? Because your career of murder is not over. Because I know you mean to carry out the threat you made in court. Yeah. Yeah, and you can't stop me, Shadow. I can. Because you're going to tell me how the jury, the prosecuting attorney, and Judge Wilson are going to be killed. You're crazy. I'm not telling you anything, Shadow. I'm not afraid of you anymore. I got nothing to lose. You are telling me, Brecker. Yeah? You see, I can read your mind. One thought is racing through your mind now. It's mirrored in your eyes, etched on your brain. You're lying, trying to trick me into telling you something. All right. I'll tell you what you're thinking about. You're thinking of a man. He acts strangely. He's... He's shell-shocked. No! Am I right? No! No, stop it! This man is very close to you. I've got it. He's your brother. 
His name is, let's see, Danny. Danny, isn't it? No, no, go away! Leave me alone! I see that even now that your brother Danny is hurrying home to get a high-powered rifle out of a trunk. Not true! A rifle equipped with telescopic sights and a silencer. You're thinking of Danny's medals for marksmanship, his decorations for valor as a sniper. A sniper so cunning he could hide in an open battlefield. A lie! Pick off his enemies at long range and not be seen. That's all I need to know, Brecker. All I need to know. <laughs> no. No, you're crazy. You're just guessing. All right, suppose he is. You won't find him. You won't stop him, Shadow! Shut up, Brecker. Throw him out of here. Hide down. I see you. Say, what's the matter with you? Who do you think you're talking to? It's the Shadow. He's here in the prison. Well, don't let that worry you, Brecker. There's plenty of shadows where you're going. Come on. The deputies are waiting, and you're heading for the last mile. Now look, Mr. Hansen, every one of you jurors is in danger. You shouldn't be here on the street. This death threat may seem like a lot of hooey to you, but I've been assigned to guard you. And if anything happens, they'll send me back to pounding a beat. Well, I'm sorry, Inspector, but I've got business to attend to, and I can't hide out in my office and... <gasps> Hanson! What's the matter, man? Oh, that man! Look at him! He's falling Say, down! Hey, what's the matter with that man? What's going on here? Keep back. Get back, everybody. Who are you? Craig. Homicide squad. Man's been shot. Ah, you're crazy. I didn't hear no shot. Neither did I. Just the same, he's got a bullet right between the eyes. Looks like Joe Brecker is keeping his word. Lamont, can't you do something? Can't you find Danny Brecker? No. No, Margot. He got away, and he hasn't been near his mother's home since his brother Joe went to the death house. I've got to find Danny Brecker. He's somewhere, hiding somewhere, waiting to strike again. I've got to find him. Mr. O'Hara, I'd like some oranges and... Good heavens, Mrs. Adams, what are you doing out in the street? I thought the police had detectives watching every one of you jurors that was on the Brecker case. Oh, they've got a detective staying at my house, but I just had to have some things for dinner, and I slipped out. Mother, can I have some candy? Oh, yes, dear, of course you can. You just... <gasps> Mother! Mother, what's the matter? What? What have you done to me? Sam! Sam! Yeah? Quick, call the police! Get a doctor! Mrs. Adams has been shot! I'm afraid she's dead! Yes! The killer has struck again! Judge Wilson? Yes, Harvey? Judge, don't you think it would be, well, well a little safer with a killer still at large if you had those window curtains closed? No, that's not necessary. This apartment is on the 20th floor. Yeah, I know, Your Honor, but just the same, I... 
I'll answer it, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Hello? Yes, Judge Wilson is right here, Your Excellency. The governor's on the wire, sir. Here you are. Hello? Yes, Governor. Yes, of course, you couldn't commute Joe Brecker's sentence. If you did a thing like that, even to save the rest of the jury, there'd be no more law and order. Look, Governor, don't you think it'd be wise for you to cancel your engagement to ride in the parade tomorrow? You'll be in an open car and a perfect target. Oh, Judge! Judge Wilson! Governor! Governor! Judge Wilson has just been shot! He's... he's dead! The Shadow will continue with his adventure in just a moment. In the meantime, here is a message of particular importance to families throughout this area who supply their own heat. We are now in a period of the year when all fuels are put to their severest tests. However, homeowners who use blue coal have nothing to worry about, because blue coal, which is especially prepared for home use, is better qualified to meet the sudden changes of weather than other fuels. During mild weather, blue coal banks for long periods with little attention. Then, blue coal immediately responds with minimum draft, sending a uniform supply of heat throughout the living quarters of the home. Because blue coal burns down to a fine powdered ash, it is not only an economical fuel, but a particularly clean fuel as well. Furthermore, blue coal is an American product, mined in Pennsylvania by the Glen Alden Coal Company. Unlike a good many other fuels sold in this area, blue coal is prepared exclusively for home use, so that you can be sure of getting more uniform, more economical heat. Blue coal is that color so you can identify it at a glance. There's been a big swing this winter to blue coal throughout this territory. Sales of blue coal this winter in the Middle Atlantic and New England states shows an increase of 10.4% over sales for the same period a year ago. So take a tip from the blue coal family. For better, more economical heat, switch to blue coal tomorrow. Ask for it by name. Order a trial ton from your nearest blue coal dealer whose name will be found in the Where to Buy section of your classified telephone directory under the name Blue Coal. Good work, Margot. Hello, Lamont. Didn't take you long to get here. Let me help you get out of the car. I was waiting for your call, Lamont. As a matter of fact, I've been waiting for days. Where have you been? What have you been doing? The same thing the entire police force of this city has been doing, Margot. Chasing a will of the wisp. Are you sure it's Joe Brecker's brother, Danny? Yes, I, I haven't any doubt of it. But the police can't find him. And I haven't a single clue to go on. What do you know about him? I looked up his record. He was shell-shocked during the war in France. He's an expert marksman, a sniper. Society trained him to kill men. It told him they were enemies, that he should kill them off. Now the shell-shocked mind is remembering what society taught him. To kill. Yes. And another thing, for people who have been through that experience, life is cheap. Yes, but those poor people he shot and killed, the jurors and the judge, they were only doing their duty, they're innocent. Yes, individually they're innocent, Margot. Individually, we're all innocent, and yet, all guilty. Because this Danny, 
Joe Brecca's brother, is a product of our own folly, teaching men to kill in time of war, yet expecting them to respect life in time of peace. Lamont, why did you want me to meet you here? I want you to do something for me, Margot. I want you to go into that brownstone house over there. Joe Brecca's mother lives in the basement. Yes. Joe is scheduled to die at five o'clock, ten minutes from now. All right, Lamont, I'll do it. Where will you be? I'll be with you, Margot. As the shadow. I have a feeling that Danny may come to his mother tonight, either just before or just after his brother dies. Hurry, we have less than ten minutes. Here's the house. I'll ring the bell. Lamont, what shall I tell her, that I'm a reporter? Yes, but don't make her try to answer questions. I hear someone coming. Yes? What do you want? Mrs. Brucker, I'd like to speak to you. May I come in? I don't care. You can come in if you want to, but it doesn't matter. Nothing matters anymore. Nothing will ever matter again. I know you've been through a terrible ordeal these past days, Mrs. Brecker. How could you know what I've been through? How could anyone know? My one son a murderer and the other one? Goodness only knows what or where. I'm very sorry. If there's anything I can do... In three minutes, they'll be killing my son, Joe. There's nothing anyone can do, but it's his brother, Daniel. I'm so worried about him. Why doesn't he come home? Why doesn't he come home? Ma! Oh, Danny! Yeah, I come. Joe said I shouldn't, but I had to come. I knew you'd want me home. Danny, Danny, where have you been? What's Joe been making you do? I've just been doing what Joe told me to do for him, Ma. Who's that girl there? What's she doing here? Why, she, she's just a friend, Danny. Just a friend come to sit with me. She won't tell nobody I've been here, will she? No, no, Danny, she won't tell anyone. Ma, they're gonna kill Joe in a few minutes. Yes. Five o'clock. Then I gotta go out and do one more thing for Joe. Look, it's almost time. No, no, Danny, you can't. I won't let you. Let go of me, Ma. Let go of me. No, no. Let go of me. Danny. I gotta do what Joe told me. I gotta keep my word to Joe. No, Danny, listen to me. I know, I know who's been killing those people. Shooting them. You've got to give yourself up, Danny. They won't hurt you. They didn't know you didn't know what you were doing. Five o'clock. Oh, <laughs> It's time. It's time. Five o'clock. Joe's dead. Now I gotta go back to the tower and do the last thing Joe wanted me to do for him. Danny, don't. You've done enough harm. You keep out of this. Joe told me to do this. I gotta. I can still hear a voice telling me to do it. Now you hear a voice telling you not to, Danny. Voice? I know. You're the shadow. Yes, Danny. For your own sake. For your mother's sake, Danny. He told me what to do with you. He knew you'd find me. That's why I got this hand grenade. Oh, Danny, don't! I got my finger on the firing pin. I'm going to pull it out. Stop, Danny. I'm warning you. The voice came from, from there in the corner. Joe told me to throw the grenade. Goodbye, Shadow. What's happened? It's all right. I managed to pick up the grenade and throw it through the window to the court before it exploded. Oh, thank heaven. I don't mind saying. That's the closest call the Shadow ever had. Lamont, how long have you been here in your office? What happened? Were you able to trail Danny to his hiding place? No, 
By the time I got to the street after that hand grenade episode, he'd disappeared. Haven't you any idea where he went? Where that tower he mentioned might be? No. I've been working on this enlarged map of the Midtown section, trying to find some tall building, some tower Danny Brecker could use to hide to pick off the governor. When he said something about a tower, he... It must be somewhere along the line of the march of today's parade, Lamont. Margot, that's the Wardman Tower. But it isn't finished. They've stopped work on it. it. It's nothing but a steel frame. What could be a better place for a sharpshooter like Danny Brecker? There's no work going on there, just a watchman down on the street level. Margot, it's a long chance, but it may be the answer. Come on, we haven't a minute to lose. My car's downstairs, Lamont. I'll drive you over there. But what if he isn't there? What if he's somewhere else waiting to strike? In that case, Margot, I'm afraid we'll have a new governor of this state. Just a couple of minutes now, Joe. Just a couple of minutes, and the governor's car will come along. Then I'll do that last thing you asked me to do, Joe. Wind velocity zero, range 300 yards, He'll die quick, Joe. Like you died. Yeah, the governor's coming now, Joe. That's his automobile with all the flags on it. That's him sitting in the back with all those fellas around him. But I can pick him out. I won't miss, Joe. <laughs> Danny. Danny Brecker. Listen to me. Who was that? Who said that? Who laughed like that? Don't you recognize the shadow, Danny? But Joe said... He said the hand grenade would fix you. You see, Danny, your brother was wrong. Put down that rifle, Danny Brecker. How did you find me way up here? How did you know I was hiding up here among these steel girders, just like I used to hide in the trees in the war? That doesn't matter, Danny Brecker. All that matters is you must not kill any more people. But I just got to. Just one more, Shadow. Just one more. The governor down there in that car. I promised Joe. No, Danny. You will never keep that promise. Put down that rifle. Put it down, Danny. Lay it down on that steel girder and crawl back to the catwalk. All right. All right. I'll put it down. I'll put it down. Where are you, Shadow? I still got another grenade. Talk to me, Shadow. Say something so I can tell where you are. Crawl back to the catwalk, Danny. Crawl back to the catwalk, I say. No, no, I won't. You can't make me. Come here and get me if you want me, Shadow. I don't want to have to do that, Danny. Don't you come near me, Shadow. Don't you touch me. If you do... I'll drop this hand grenade. I'll throw it down on the people down there. I'll kill dozens of them. There! I pulled the pin. I'll throw it. Danny, listen to me. Hold that hand grenade, Danny. Hold it tight. Hold it tight, Danny Brecker. See your fingers tighten about it. Your mind obeys mine. Do you hear me, Danny? Danny, hold it. Don't throw that hand grenade. Hold it. Hold it. Tight. Don't throw it. Don't drop it. 
Don't drop it, Danny. Don't drop it, Danny. Don't drop it, Danny. Don't drop it. Yes, Commissioner Weston, a high-powered rifle fell into the street right in front of the governor's car. I'm glad no one was hurt. Uh-huh. This is the 30th floor. This is where that bomb went off. Blew the guy to pieces. Good heavens. He must have had a time bomb that went off too quick. Any idea who it was? Yep. They found an identification card and some newspaper clippings in his pocket. On what was left of him. It was Danny Brecker, Joe Brecker's brother. Well, I guess that's that. I don't guess we'll ever know what really happened. Anyway, there's one consolation. Looks as though the shadow fell down on this case just as badly as we did. Not quite, Commissioner Weston. Oh, so you got here in time to take credit for this, eh, Shadow? There is no credit. No glory in the death of Danny Brecker, Commissioner Weston. He was a victim. A human instrument of destruction. Fashioned by mankind. That teaches men to kill their enemies in time of war yet expects them to forget their murderous art in time of peace. Danny Brecker was an enemy of society, a killer, but only because you and I and countless thousands made him one. No, Commissioner, there is no glory in this for you or the Shadow or for any man. You have just heard a dramatized version of one of the many copyrighted stories which appear in the Shadow Magazine. All the characters and all the places named are fictitious. Any similarities to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. (laughs) As you sow evil, so shall you reap evil. Crime does not pay. The shadow knows. (laughs) Next week, same time, same station, Blue Coal, America's finest anthracite, again presents another thrilling adventure of The Shadow. Be sure to listen and be sure to burn Blue Coal, the solid fuel for solid comfort. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. The No Soap Radio cast for this recreation included Annette Bohennick as Mrs. Adams and Mrs. Brecker, Zach Dillinger as Lamont Cranston and The Shadow, Zach Eastman as the court bailiff, Harvey and the paperboy, Victoria Gordon as Margot Lane and the little girl, Paul Covet as Danny Brecker, Ian Olberg as the announcer, a policeman, and Mr. O'Hara, Paul J. Patterson as Joe Brecker, and Tony Semchuk as Judge Wilson, the prison guard, and Commissioner Weston. The program was written by Walter B. Gibson and was directed by Paul Covid. If you want to see the visual recreation of this program, go to YouTube and search for No Soap Radio Recreations, and then choose The Shadow Silent Avenger. This has been a No Soap Radio Recreation. Badlands Cola is intended for a mature audience. Content warnings for each episode are available in the show notes and on our website, BadlandsCola.com. We recommend you check them out to ensure your listening experience is fun and safe. Thank you.
know what you're thinking. You're thinking, what is this all about? What is it about, Jasper Moon? Well, you have been patient, haven't you? Years and years, toiling in the mud, just like me. Perhaps you've proven you're ready, and so perhaps I'll tell you what it's about. It's about faith, not in what's above. No, faith in what's below, what's under your own two feet, right there, right here. What's older than the pyramids? Calcified, fossilized, petrified. Not me, that's for sure. I'm just a shovel. And you a shovel, too. If you are, you've got to dig. There's something in the mud. The irony isn't lost on me. That the world has chosen to descend upon us just as our work was coming to fruition. Just as the truth was showing a glint beneath the dry, hot, cracking surface. That's just how these things play out, isn't it? <laughs> I'm not surprised. And I'm not unprepared. To my sister. I'm sorry, but it falls to you now. I have been the shovel that unearths the waiting remains of our ending. Now you must be the beacon that calls them from their sleep. You have your instructions, baby. I'll be listening. <laughs> oh, that is priceless. I'm gonna pretend you're a lot more disturbed by that recording than you sound. We're still deciding whether or not to let the press have it. Well, good luck keeping it away from them, Detective. Your people found that on him at the arrest? Not on him. The stash in the back room behind the laundromat. On a tape. As in, like, VHS? Wait, wait, wait. Back rooms? Sonny, they had a whole rat's nest back there. We're still scraping the place down. It's grim. Let me guess. More fossils. That's what we expected. Your report said Jasper Moon's collection was his pride and joy. But the place was empty. Not a tippy in sight. Oh. Well, it's not unusual for a cult to torch all their belongings if they think a bust is coming. Maybe. There's a big empty lot behind the strip mall. Looks like someone's been rooting around in there. I'll let you know how that search goes. Until then, the bone collection is MIA. Well, good thing you're not paying me to track down a mysteriously missing ossuary. Let's talk about what you are paying me for. You gonna tell me why you're playing me highly confidential cultist manifestos, then sending me out into the heart of Badlands country? On a Saturday? You're already en route. <laughs> Just about to pass Barville. Sonny. What? Your email said ASAP, so I packed up my kit and headed out first thing. I might be a private investigator, but I take my job seriously. I didn't think you'd leave before I had a chance to brief you. You're not driving right now, are you? No, officer, I'm not. 
pulled over at a rest stop the moment I saw another email with the subject line, Urgent Bone Cold Manifesto. So, why am I back on the moon case? You got your guy. Who exactly am I supposed to be tracking down? It's the bit at the end. About the sister. Nicholson, Jasper Moon doesn't have a sister. I know that, you know that. I tailed that zealot for months. If he had a sibling, even one outside the cold, I'd have found them. Your initial investigation didn't cover his hometown. You explicitly directed me to keep my investigation to your city limits. Look, I believe you, okay? We've got nothing about a sibling on our end either. But we've always been foggy on this guy's motives. And now, we have a loose end. And the department hates, hates loose ends. ends. Yeah. You know... If you're a P.I., you just work till the clock runs out and cash the check. Just when I convinced myself you people weren't completely morally bankrupt. Yeah, sounds like a you problem. Listen, chances are this is nothing. No sister, no passing of the torch, just a master manipulator making up stories at the end of his rope. So you're sending me to tidy up the loose ends in the depressing desert town where our sweet little cult boy grew up into a big scary cult man. To save costs on overtime, I imagine. Anything else I can get you? A motive would be nice. Oh, maybe if you ask me nicely. Look, I'll scope out the guy's hometown, find out if there's a sister, see where she falls on a scale of one to cult leader two reloaded. We'll go from there. Go easy on the reports. This trial is giving me enough paperwork as it is. Investigator. Yeah? We're pretty sure the cult ends with Moon. But we don't know for sure. Especially so soon after his arrest. And you're already spitting distance from Sparks. Oh my god, this again. Will you just tell me what happened already? Maybe I should be starting my investigation in Sparville. No. Sparville incident was serious shit, Sonny. Four people lost their lives. Yeah, years ago. And, uh, they were in a cult? A creepy cult run by the love child of David Koresh and Dr. Hammond. As long as you uniforms insist on being so vaguely ominous about what happened in Sparville, I will do my best to be vaguely careful. Great. And while you're at it, quit checking your email on the highway, alright? I'll fire over anything the department thinks might be germane to your investigation. Ooh, more fucked up VHS cult tapes, please. Enjoy your paperwork, detective. So, old Detective Nicholson is spooked. Part of me is proud of doing something that would make a cowboy hat-wearing big city cop think twice. The freaky stuff is part of why I went private, on top of the pay. The other part of me gets it. I mean, it's not often that a major city police department asks for a private investigator's help with a case, even less often a cold case. And the moon case was... rough. I thought it was over. Jasper Moon's behind bars, along with at least a dozen wide-eyed lackeys. Their awful little laundromat-turned-bone-shrine has been scraped clean. And... Sure, some mid-tier evidence might be missing, and they're still hoping to dig up a motive, but for Detective Nicholson and the rest of his team, the horror story is over. If only it wasn't for that last little line in that inconvenient manifesto rant. Moon's final parting gift is an administrative nightmare, especially if the press gets wind of it. Loose ends. 
so that's why I'm headed down the highway, 90 kilometers an hour in a race against the setting sun, to a town famous for sitting on a gold mine of dinosaur bones and not much else. The sand-colored hoodoos are already looming on the horizon, and all I have is a potential last name for a sister who probably doesn't even exist. Here we go. Coverage is still crap, I see. That's the conventional wisdom when it comes to finding something, isn't it? But what if you're looking for something that doesn't want to be found? Rule number one of private investigation. First day is about sitting down, shutting up, and watching. I forged my master plan over the last stretch of highway, yellow strips of paint blurring by as I sharpen up my next steps. Step one, check into my motel. Step two, coast around town to get the lay of the land. Hopefully the place is as tiny and quaint as I remember. Step three, find a local watering hole, claim a corner, and absorb. Part of me seems to remember a retro 24-hour diner. Seems like the perfect place to stake out and see what we can see. If anyone's feathers are ruffled about Jasper Moon's recent arrest, I'll know about it soon enough. Cue up some more dulcet tones for your dusty Saturday. A quick news update for you. We've got three yard sales on the docket this weekend. And not to be outdone, Mr. Reyes asked me to tell you that his yard sale will have fresh baked cookies. We've been told, people. The Paleontology Center is, yep, you guessed it, still closed. As for the weather, it'll surprise exactly no one to hear that tomorrow's looking sunny, sunny, sunny. The danger of lying in wait is how easy it is to just slip out of things. One moment you're blending into the scenery, absorbing the world, and the next the world is absorbing you. Case details fuse together. The asphalt beneath your tires boils in the heat and your thoughts melt down with it. So when I see the shimmer on the horizon to my right, I almost dismiss it entirely. Heat haze. A mirage. Nothing. But the shimmer doesn't look like a mirage, and it doesn't go away. It's 
bright somehow, like a pure white shred of cloud or mist way down low on the ground, but my eyes can't focus on it, and it's way too dry for mist. Huh? What the... Whatever it is, it's not easier to see outside the truck. The sun is blinding, already burning my hands and face as I shield my eyes and squint into the distance. Sparville, I think. The nearest town is Sparville. The shimmer is still there, but somehow seems more solid. Like a pile of shimmering silver rocks or perfectly polished bones. of the delightful uplifting news time for the dismal part of the segment i know this is still pretty raw for folks so let's make it quick sounds like initial reports we heard out of the city are indeed true one jasper moon has been arrested and they're throwing the c word around the other c word cult official bulletin says he was found in a gutted laundromat with several of his followers authorities are still sifting through the evidence Sonny. Focus. The radio. The update on Jasper's arrest. The, the Moon family house. Private investigation rule number two. You get a lead, you follow it right there and then. As I pull away, I give myself one glance in the rear view. Just to check. But the shimmer is gone. Mirage after all. Usually, a summertime road trip around this part of Canada takes your breath away. The mountains, the green foothills, the rivers raging with the last dregs of glacial runoff. Then there are the Badlands. They'll take your breath away for sure, but it's less like a dream vacation and more like being abducted to Mars. It's brown and dry and rugged as hell, thanks to the hoodoos and mesas. Wide, alien towers of stone that seem to scrape up out of the desert all on their own. The rock's soft here, so the wind and rain carve the landscape up into mazes of salt, silt, and shale. Which makes it that much easier to dig up all the bones. Over 50 fossilized species of ancient life discovered from 500-plus unearthed specimens. It's not just a scientific gold mine, it's a tourism fever dream. You know you're finally in the Badlands proper when the billboards start to look like brontosaurus silhouettes and the benches turn into little triceratops and stegosaurs. It'd be cute if it wasn't all rotting into the dirt. The sand, the sun, the heat. Nothing lasts long out here. Welcome to the paleontological wonder of the Northern Hemisphere, which amounts to one aging desert town and the childhood home of Jasper Moon, cultist extraordinaire. Guess I'm digging around for something, too.
Hi. Hi there. Yeah, um, I'm so sorry, but I was hoping to leave some nice flowers for the Moon family. Such a shame about the, uh, um, do you know where I can find them? The Moon family? Yes, um, for the parents. Heard the terrible news about their son, thought it might be nice to let them know they're not alone. Oh, sweetheart, the parents are long gone. There, there's no one there. Oh, um, ha, of course. Maybe I could still leave them anyways, as a nice communal gesture. Uh, well, uh, I guess you could. Uh, the old moon house is in Creek Home, by the river. Usually. What do you mean? Uh, yeah, you just drive until you see the big dinosaur, then you hang a right. At first I'm just confused, but then I realize. The lime green shape of a Tyrannosaurus Rex suddenly rears up on the horizon, almost gold in the burnt glow of sunset. A sign declares her as the world's largest dinosaur at 90 feet tall. For $5, you can take a trip up to her toothy cavern of a mouth and stare out at the long stretches of rocky nothing. What I don't remember is how weirdly intimidating it is to be in her massive, hot shadow. Traffic slows a bit at the dinosaur's intersection. Closest thing to a traffic jam this place sees, I'm sure. And I take my slow turn to the right into the Riverbank neighborhood. Creek View, Creek Home... The houses are pretty here. Compact little units of manicured 70s suburbia with screen doors open to the heat and lawns that seem significantly less parched than the rest of town. I pass an empty lot with a for sale sign and even that has nicely cut grass. The sidewalks wind along with the nearby river, easy as can be. Hi, you want a lemonade? Oh, um, no, thank you. Thanks, though. It's not a big neighborhood, but it doesn't take long for the cognitive dissonance to hit hard. This is the neighborhood that birthed the monster. And that grim truth is followed by another. Not a single house seems abandoned or even in disrepair. There are a couple of women who look the right age to be the fabled moon sister, but even from my drive-by I can see their zero family resemblance. And if they're stricken by the news of their recently arrested brother, they're doing a great job of hiding it behind their sun hats and homemade margaritas. It starts to dawn on me just how much of a needle in a haystack the detective has sent me after. I loop around the neighborhood twice, coasting through every cul-de-sac and alleyway until I start to get the stairs, and still, nothing that looks even close to Jasper Moon, his mystery sister, or the family house they supposedly grew up in. The lemonade kids don't call out to me the second time or the third. I can barely see them in the dim light of dusk. When I first started out, more than ten years ago now, I had to learn to fight that sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach whenever a lead started to go cold. Now I know that usually means I'm about to stumble onto something really juicy. And sure enough, here's Detective Nicholson in my inbox, another wild email. Search uncovered another tape. Secure download link below. Might be helpful. Watch only in secure location. Glad you're not squeamish. Well, detective, I hope the third-rate motel where my booked counts as a secure location. Uh, 
Uh, hi there. Is this the Comfortino Motel? Your sign's almost out. Ah, shoot. Can't seem to keep the stupid thing fixed. We always just tell folks to take a right at the pterodactyl statue. The one with the blue hat. Yeah, I'll, uh, have to remember that. You got a room booked? Oh, yeah, under Nicholson. I called earlier today. Ah, yeah, I remember you. Gotcha right here for seven nights. Here's your keycard, room eight, at the far end near the ice machine. The door can be a little sticky, so don't be afraid to give her. I will also keep that in mind. Thanks. There's something about motels. Like reality is just sort of detached. Might just be because I'm running out of energy in a strange town, but the Comfortina hits me hard like that. The worn out astroturf in the lobby, the long empty stretches of nighttime air between the door to each room, the permaglow from the Comfortina's dying neon sign, the lettering's all dark, leaving only a pink, buzzing moon. Ironic. Come on. This is room eight, right? Wait, this place has two roommates. Could have warned me about that, bud. Uh, sorry. I think we somehow have the same room number. I think maybe I'm right beside you or... Yeah, totally my bad. I'm sorry. <sighs> Shit, okay, okay, okay. I'm going, dude. You better not be banging on the walls like that. Guess I'm room number 8B. Uh, ah, thank you. Well, at least it's quiet in here, and my end-of-day routine can start in peace. Close the ungodly stiff curtains, set the red blinking alarm clock for an early wake-up, get the shower running hot, check my phone to make sure Nicholson's creepy new video is downloading, and... What? Nine missed calls. When did... You have two new messages. First message. Hello. This is Detective Nicholson with a message for Sonny. Call me back when you get this, please. Same number as usual. Message erased. Next message. Hey. Been trying to get a hold of you all evening, but you must be out of cell range. Call me as soon as you get this. We've got an urgent update regarding your current case. My extensions zero five. End of messages. To erase this message, press seven. Oh crap! What time is it? Detective Nicholson, Calgary Police Department. Hey, hey, it's Sunny. Sorry about missing all your calls. I didn't even hear it ring. Is this about the video? The v- no, Sunny. Can anyone overhear your conversation right now? No, I'm alone in my motel room. What's going on? Jasper Moon is missing. Badlands Cola is written, directed, and produced by Renee Taylor Clint. This episode was sound designed and mixed by Russ Moore and featured the voice talents of Ron Guan, Liz Morey, David J. Dixon, Brigham Snow, Ray O'Hare, Sarah Rowland, and Jason LaRock. 
Special thanks to our artist representative, Giancarlo Herrera. Visit BadlandsCola.com and follow Badlands Cola on Twitter for show notes, announcements, behind-the-scenes content, and more. Good night. And that's this week's show. Please check out the show notes on both features on the Sonic Society website at sonicsociety.org. Until next week when we get to the bottom of the spooky garden shed. What, we'll actually get to the bottom of it? (laughs) Probably not. But probably we'll just get back in the building and continue as normal. Until then, I'm Jack Ward. And I'm David Alt. Have a great day. Chauncey Haworth, Mark Slade, and Lothar Tuppen. The demented minds behind the Twisted Pulp Radio Hour bring you... Twisted Pulp Magazine. A journey beyond surreality to worlds you never knew or hoped existed. Worlds of the supernatural. Worlds of dark satire. Worlds of nightmarish futures. Twisted Pulp Magazine. If you thought the 21st century was weird enough already, think again. Twisted Pulp Magazine. A step beyond your grandfather's pulp. Available at digitalvaudeville.com. That's D-I-G-I-T-A-L-V-A-U-D-E-V-I-L-L-E.com. Music.